Yeah, I mean, well, it is actually a natural phase of life. And I think the narrative has always been a little bit negative about it. You know, if you think about it, sort of um, moody women, hot flushes, moustaches, you know, sort of all of those kind of sort of images around sort of women of that age. And so I think women don't really want to talk about it because they don't want to feel like they're sort of past it or, um, you know, they're not sexy anymore. But um, and, and I think that's why now talking about it and I think we've got a newer generation of women who are still sort of doing lots of things and don't want to stop doing those things. You know, one of the things I often say is, you know, midlife is midlife. It's not end of life. And I think maybe previous generations saw it more as an entry into older age, you know, sort of. Um, whereas, you know, we women nowadays don't see it like that. You know, it's, it's, it can be a fun phase of life. A new beginning is what I'd like to think of it as. Welcome to the Happy Pair Podcast featuring your hosts, Stephen Flynn and... David Flynn. How's it going? Hope you're doing well today. That was a pretty hope. formal intro, wasn't it? That was pretty good. It was grand. But sure, anyway, hope you're doing well today. And we're most grateful that you've tuned into us. This is a wonderful episode. And this is something as a society, I believe we need to start to talk about more, to support more, and to help take more responsibility. And I'm really delighted that today we're discussing menopause, perimenopause, premenopause, and this whole, peri- this whole cycle of life that is often, as a male, I didn't know that much about. And after yeah, I feel to- after pretty this, ignorant. After this conversation, I really feel that it, I've, it's got an awareness that I think it's, a, it's such an important topic that we all need to be armed with and understand more about it because it's a completely natural phase of life and it can often be a bit for women. taboo for women yes for half of the population um, and today we, in, we uh, have a wonderful conversation with Dr. Shazadi Harper she's, an, she's a doctor that specialises in perimenopause premenopause and menopause and supporting women through this period of life she's written a, a recently just written a book and she's just brilliant it was such an insightful conversation and something that's so relevant and I think you know as two men here I think more men need to understand this and just as a society I think the more we can gather around support um, women through this period I think more they can go from being caterpillars and go through that process and come out as butterflies Beautiful, Stephen. Lovely. Uh, before we get into the, to this week's episode, we just want to do a shout out to Wild. Wild is a deodorant that we use. It's fantastic. It's, it's natural. natural. It's refillable deodorant that genuinely works. It comes in biodegradable p- pouches. I genuinely have a really strong body odor. There was a time in my life when I was really proud of it. Recently, my wife uh, has told me it's not that nice. Uh, and I find this really works. It genuinely stops the odor. I smell well. You can order by going to wearewild.com to get 20% off your first order when you use the code HAPPYPAIR at checkout. Uh, It's a subscription order, so it comes every month and you reuse it and they've got lots of nice flavours and it's completely natural. Flavours, do you eat it? Uh, Well, I don't know what the word is, like smells or... Yeah, lovely smells. Anyway, check them out. So without further ado, we give you Dr. Shazadi Harper on the topic of menopause. And this is part of our series on sex. So if you haven't checked sex out the previous, and relationships, sex and relationships, thank you for the clarification, Stephen. So if you haven't checked them out and you enjoy this one, they're well worth checking out. So enjoy. Thanks a million for being here today with us. Thank you so much for agreeing to this. This is a topic that genuinely I didn't realize as soon as I started looking into it. This is so fascinating. This is so like we need to talk more about this as a society. And as a man, I feel so ignorant. I feel deeply kind of sorry that this isn't talked about more because this affects like half of the world's population and it doesn't just affect them like it's a huge kind of life 
journey that someone has to go through so and, and thank as, you for agreeing to do this and as literally we were just chatting to a friend there about it and she was saying yeah like menopause it's like you've had you've had a lifetime of periods and then you get like the period from hell at the end of it like so and that was how she described her kind of view on menopause so um yeah yeah, I mean, well, I mean, one of the ways I sometimes say it to men is that, you know, I know they kind of make humor out of it and say time of the month, but this is like time of the decade for, you know, some women. It can sort of last for that length of time and feel like that for women as well. Wow. And yeah. it's perimenopause. Like I said perimenopause just to my daughter earlier and she went, hairy menopause? What's a hairy menopause, dad? <laughs> so perimenopause, is that, is that a word just for pre-menopause? Not pre, because um, menopause is when your periods stop. And perimenopause is when you, you're getting the symptoms. Maybe your periods are changing, but um, your hormone levels are fluctuating. And it's that time leading up to the menopause. And premenopause would come before perimenopause. So when, you know, you're, you're fertile, normal reproductive cycle, your periods are regular and you don't have any of the symptoms. So if you think about the stages as pre-menopause or, or let's say go back even further, puberty, pre-menopause, perimenopause, menopause and post-menopause, which is a year after your last period. Wow. And in terms of like ages, I know like everyone's different, but there's probably a general band. Like when would pre-menopause typically start and when would perimenopause and when would the main event menopause happen? So, so the main event is around the age of 50, you know, on average about 51 um, for sort of Caucasian women, um, European women. Um, and um, for um, perimenopause can start almost a decade beforehand, on average about four years for most women that they'll experience symptoms, but it can start in your early 40s. And 5% of women go through that natural menopause under the age of 45. And 1% of women will go through it even under the age of 40. So, you know, it can be a long journey for some women. Wow. And like, why isn't this spoken more about? Because like, say even, I remember when our mom was going through the menopause, we were so ignorant. Like I was a teenage boy. So, you know, we weren't terribly receptive or didn't really understand it. And then like, uh, now well, I remember I'm, she I'm, used to take, she used to take H or, or, or T tablets and I remember they helped, you know, the general tone in the house when she started taking them. But 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 why isn't it spoken at large? Like, why is it something that's almost like brushed under the mat or kind of like, say, you deal with that. That's your problem. You know, that way, at least from a man's perspective, which is really bad, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, well, well, it is actually a natural phase of life. And I think the narrative has always been a little bit negative about it. You know, if you think about it, sort of... Um, moody women, hot flushes, moustaches, you know, sort of all of those kind of sort of images around sort of women of that age. And so I think women don't really want to talk about it because they don't want to feel like they're sort of past it or, um, you know, they're not sexy anymore. But um, and, and I think that's why now talking about it, and I think we've got a newer generation of women who are still sort of doing lots of things and don't want to stop doing those things you know one of the things I often say is you know midlife is midlife it's not end of life and I think maybe previous generations saw it more as an entry into older age you know sort of um, whereas you know we women nowadays don't see it like that you know it's it's it can be a fun phase of life a new beginning is what I'd like to think of it as well, well, and, even, and even and even just sorry can I go I was just going to say like back we're both very excited as you can see we genuinely are and uh, when I think back to like you know the way sometimes when you look back in the past at how different cultures saw menopause like is it sometimes when you look back in certain cultures is it seen as a chance to kind of renew and rebuild and emerge or something or what is it kind of looked back in 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, some cultures, um, I suppose, you know, maybe in like Hinduism, in in um, sort of Greek cultures, Muslim, I think the end of periods mean that you're suddenly, you know, you, you have a maybe more of a status within society in the sense of an elder or a wise woman, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So so it can be a feeling of liberation for some, um, you know, I was going to say Catholic communities as well, where, you know, you don't have to worry about getting pregnant, you know, it can be a new sort of sexual revolution for them. But I'm just saying, so you so yeah so I think in some um, cultures and communities but I think in the west because we put so much value on the way that we look you know and um, particularly um, you know women are you know that's their currency um, or can be their currency in the sense of the, the way they look you know that perception so I think you know that's why Western women don't really talk about it in that positive way because they sort of almost see it more as an end. But I think that's changing, you know, and it's great that men like yourself want to know more about it. And I have so many men in my clinic that come along and say, thank you. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Like like in terms of I was, and excuse if this comes across super ignorant, but say if I like zoom back out from say the female life cycle and like, you know, obviously there's a the pre- puberty, then there's kind of childbearing years and then menopause, like the function of menopause is obviously the wind down and the body's adjusting its hormones as it goes from being, you know, childbearing to suddenly non-childbearing. And how come it's such a, such a, it, it kind of, it seems to be such a, a difficult journey the way nature has designed it you know the way that it's a 10-year period there's hot flushes there's vaginal dryness there's often kind of weight issues start to arise with it why did nature design it this way i know this is a really almost like an existential question however my mind kind of goes why well, well, no, no. I mean, if you think about your teenage years, they weren't easy, were they? And what was happening in your teenage years was your sex home hormones were sort of starting and kicking and kicking into play. Um, you know, and particularly for women, they, at that time, they'd have sort of heavy periods, misser periods, spots, you know, acne, moodiness, PMS. And, you know, think about your raging hormones during those sort of puberty years. And a way to think about it is this is reverse puberty. Instead of your hormones going on the up, this this time around, your hormones are on the decline, but they're still fluctuating. There's still those imbalances. And, you know, some women are lucky. They may sail through, but more women will have symptoms than not. And I think we don't quite realize um, until your hormones are changing and declining that what an impact your hormones have on all of your body you know they're the they're messengers they affect your um you know sort of hunger your 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 moods um your sleep patterns so so hormones have a huge impact and i think we don't realize it until suddenly they're slowly declining and you then you're feeling the effects of it and and when you know when you said when men kind of say to you thanks a million thanks so much like at, at what are they are they saying that kind of in a sense that like you've really helped kind of relieve the symptoms or aid this journey you know this natural process that can often be difficult you've kind of aided them on the journey is that kind of yeah i mean commonly you know so many women say that they've lost themselves you know uh, and you know men say you know we've lost our wives or you know she she's not what she used to be or who she used to be um and and i think you know they they see that somebody that they love um sort of being withdrawn, um, and it's not necessarily the hot flushes and the night sweats are, are the things that are, are, are most bothersome, but it's the things like the, the low mood, the anxiety. You know, some women get panic attacks, they don't want to drive. So that loss of confidence in who they are. And, and yes, you know, you touched upon some of the physical changes like weight gain as well. And and also, so, so, so I think, you know, men do worry about their partners, you know, sort of almost 
graying out, not being that woman that they that um, she she can be and usually is. Um, also, there is that feeling that you know sometimes men feel a bit rejected. They feel they're not loved because a lot of women lose their libido um, and you know their sex drive. So sometimes when men can feel um, that. that that, that, that maybe she doesn't love me anymore. Maybe she, she's gone off me. Um, you know, men do like to make it a bit about themselves, don't they? But it's not really about them. Um, and, you know, so I often say to women, I, I give them an example when we talk about sort of libido. I say, um, be, be, because, you know, it's often not because of their partners, even though they may have been in like 20 year relationships or something. And I say, well, you know what, if your celebrity crush, like let's just say Bradley Cooper was walking by and he said, come on you know let's let's go get jiggy or something what would you do and so many women say I just say to him could we have a you know tea and a slice of cake instead and that's because <laughs> they've lost that libido they've lost that sex drive so it's not their husband it's just the fact that you know their hormones have impacted them in that way Wow. So, so like in essence, what happens with menopause is the adjustment of the hormones going from childbearing to non-childbearing. And in essence, what's happening, like what, what are the hormones adjusting? Is it in essence like the estrogen and progesterone come down and testosterone raises or is there any one way they're going? So, so testosterone starts to decline from your 20s um, for, for women. Um, but what, what's happening predominantly in this sort of perimenopause and menopause stages, your ovaries aren't producing estrogen and progesterone like they used to. And, um, and so that's on the decline. And sometimes because of that imbalance, that's why testosterone can be a bit more dominant. And, um, you know, women may notice, you know, sort of the odd hair on their chin or, or more acne and things. But, you know, I often say the hero hormone is estrogen because we have estrogen receptors all over our body, you know, skin, brain, um, you, you know, sort of um, joints. And so it's that decline predominantly, I would say, of estrogen that gives rise to so many of the symptoms. But also, you know, that change in testosterone level means that women lose muscle mass, energy. You know, we have androgen receptors in our brain as well. So that mental sharpness, sharpness, cognitive function, as well as libido as well. So, so you know, it's that interplay of all of those hormones um, and, and the downward trend, which is causing these symptoms. Well, because testosterone, you said there, sometimes there can be a lack of losing their confidence or their place in the world. And I know testosterone is often associated with your will and your kind of like almost your drive and your energy. That's certainly in a masculine perspective, but I imagine it's probably in a human perspective, you know, regardless yeah. of your gender. Uh you know, especially in workplaces and things, you know, and so many women are, are in the workplaces. Um, and you, you do need that testosterone for motivation and for drive um, and for, you know, sort of being uh, productive, I suppose. Um, and um, and so, yeah, so that decline in that also means that women do feel that, um, yeah, that they, they, they feel its effects. So I, I think nowadays we're sort of, when, when we talk about modern menopause and we talk about, you know, sort of sometimes hormone replacement treatment, when we're talking about it in that modern way, it's not just the two hormones we're thinking, we're also sort of talking about testosterone as well. Kind of wow. balancing the three of them. And, okay, so that's nicely moved us on to, okay, so we've established that menopause is a really challenging period for many women, for half of the population on the planet. Um, and, and we've understood lots of bits of it. So in terms of navigating this period of our lives, you know, when I say our in the collective, I, I won't be going through it, but I've got two daughters and I've got a wife and uh, lots of female friends. So what are things like, you mentioned HRT there, and I, maybe before we get onto HRT, could you talk about like natural things? Because I know I've heard you say that smoking can have a negative effect. I think weight can have a negative effect. Like I imagine there's lifestyle factors that influence and health and things that possibly influence it. 
Oh, hugely so. And I think, you know, often, you know, there are all the things that doctors say to you um, throughout the years, but maybe you kind of haven't paid as much attention because you're young and, you know, you can't see the inevitable sort of future. But, you know, things like stopping smoking um, and cutting back on alcohol because, you know, alcohol makes hot flushes worse, reducing caffeine, spicy food. But, you know, that that Mediterranean diet becoming a bit more plant-based, um, you know, I know these are things that you're sort of particularly sort of, um, you know, have interest in. And I think, you know, making sure that your diet is much more balanced, thinking about nuts and seeds and looking for what we call phytoestrogens, which are sort of so weak estrogens from sort of from plants um you know you can get them in flax seeds in in chickpeas in soy you know so really having a look at your diet now's the time to do that overhaul and um and start moving because 67 percent of women in the the 45 to 54 year old age range are either overweight or obese um and we also know from studies that we don't move as much as men do so uh, you know i think i think if we start moving a bit more really sort of looking at our diet because our metabolisms are naturally slowing down so maybe we need to eat, eat a little bit less um and also do some um not just cardiovascular or cardio exercise but also muscle building exercise as well so there are things that you can start adapting and changing in your lifestyle and and also Let's not forget things like rest and sleep, because sometimes I think we underestimate. We think we've always got to be doing something. But sometimes just pausing uh, and being in the moment um, and, and, you know, sort of maybe practicing some meditation or, you know, just just pausing. And, and so that you have a, a good sleep pattern or hygiene. I think all of these things are sort of um, integral to this navigating this journey. Amazing. And then, so, can, can I ask one? And, and this is probably a total myth, and I could be 100% wrong, but if someone is overweight, hormones are typically made in fat tissue, isn't it? And if someone is overweight, they're possibly more predisposed to have more hormonal imbalances. Is this incorrect? It was just something that I heard. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I wonder, is that really true or is that just kind of a myth? Well, no, I mean, I mean if you think about it, I mean, um, midlife women can often have a bit of a look about them, you know, their, their physique, you know, that expanding waistline, sort of, you know, heavier breasts um, and, and, and uh, upper body. And it's not a myth because, um, you know, so your ovaries make estrogen, but the only other place that it can also make it from is from fat. So as your ovaries are not producing as much um, estrogen, then, you know, your, your body's depositing more fat and creating a little bit of estrogen through that way. And also, you know, we, the other hormone, insulin, which helps to sort of, um, you know, sort of turn your food into energy is, is less efficient. So you end up storing more fat. So yes, so it does contribute towards hormonal imbalance. But I think it's trying wow. to sort of trying to, yeah. Jeez, it's a tough period. Like it really is kind of going like changing as like if I made the metaphor of an engine, like, you know, your peak at your, you know, as humans, we probably are in our prime between 20 and maybe it's 40. And then active, our active, prime. active, our active prime, maybe Very great, great distinction there, Mr. Flynn. And, um, <laughs> and then I guess then there's the kind of changing. And I guess through this change, I guess it's being very aware of what we eat and our lifestyle factors and our sleep and all the usual type things. But I guess this is such a, it can be such a challenging period of, of, of a woman's life that I guess it's being mindful that these really do have an influence. They do. And, and, and I think, you know, one of the things when you said earlier, you've got two daughters, you've got a wife, you know, whilst it, it doesn't just affect her, it has that ripple effect on everybody around her, you know, her family. I mean, I've had women come into clinic because they've said their children have said, you're not fun anymore, mum. 
So they've they've come in because of that reason. Um, so so it has that ripple effect on everybody. So it does affect everybody. And I think whilst it can be challenging, it can also be really quite a. Um, it, for many women it's a crossroads and they find their voice it can also be a time that they have a new beginning you know I personally feel it's my most productive time of life it's the most sort of um yeah it's the most fun sexy I mean I've, I've, I feel in my prime now I would never want to go back to being 20 25 at all beautiful wow. that's great to hear and and so, so I have a nice question here, which just before we go into HRT and all that, um, life expectancy has nearly doubled over the last kind of hundred years, but the menopause seems to happen at the same age regardless. Like, are, do, are the fertile years expanding as we live longer, or is it just we're kind of biologically hardwired this way? No, I think we're just living longer because we've got um, you know sort of preventative healthcare, you know, and I and I think just because you know sort of um socioeconomic factors are better than they were 100 years ago because actually 100 years ago or so menopause would happen around the age of 55 but then we'd be dead by the time we were you know <laughs> 60 so literally at that you know 100 years ago menopause was old age but now you know because we're living longer you know women will lead maybe 30 40 years or so you know post menopause um that that's why i think in some ways we are more aware of it and how it impacts us as well yeah i'd love to learn more about you said like a typical symptom of like perimenopause or menopause is loss of libido and lack vaginal of a, drying. yeah vaginal dryness and lack of appetite for sex and could you talk more about that and well, um, I mean, I mean libido they... <laughs> in general is sort of, th- there's more than one reason for it. And I think, you know, all of us in our lifetime maybe have, you know, lost our libido at some point or another because of maybe, you know, stresses, you know, losses, anxiety, all of those kind of things. But um, but uh, but when it comes to um, this stage in life, you know, two out of three women do experience this loss of libido. And it's a number of functions, you know. those changing hormones but also your body shape is changing you know women look in the mirror and they don't quite recognize themselves their skin and hair changes Um, and also because of these hormonal changes also the physically um, the vagina becomes the, the walls of the vagina become thinner there's less lubrication so you know sex can be more painful and uncomfortable um, women aren't sleeping so well, so feeling tired. You know, when you're tired, you're not really in the mood for it either. Um, so there are so many different factors going on around this time um, that that no wonder sort of libido falls off the cliff. You know, it goes lower down the priority list. Yeah, wow. So, so no, 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 you can't. Okay, I'm gonna have a go here. <laughs> uh, so. So we've established that it's a, it can be really challenging and there can be some natural things that we can do in terms of lifestyle and whatnot. But what are things that we can do to make this journey, you know, make it be less painful and make it be, you know, find the good bits in it? Well, well I think, you know, you let's just start with vaginal dryness because I'm, I'm so keen for women to know that there is sort of local estrogen treatment, you know, just... Um, vaginal estrogen which is so safe for all women you know and they can take it till till the end of their days effectively and it can make such a huge difference to their you know sort of vaginal health and their sexual health as well so I think you know that's almost a given I think that women should be 
prescribed it in a goodie box from the age of sort of 45 onwards. Um, no and matter is, that, what. is that just like a gel that someone or just kind of, or a cream or how is that going to take? It, it, sorry it, to be it's so a explicit. cream or, or it's a pessary that you insert into your vagina and, and it just releases a small amount of estrogen, which stays local. So, you know, when people worry about breast cancer and things, actually, you know, you don't need to worry about it when it comes to local estrogens because you know, they are, as they say on the tin, local, they'll just stay there and it won't really spread and leak into the rest of the body. So, um, so yeah, so vaginal estrogens can make a huge difference. Um, and then, you know, you've mentioned HRT. And I think one of the things is HRT has been demonized, I think, over the last sort of 20, 30 years, and rightly so, because of the types of preparations that we've had sometimes in the past. But, you know, I think, what I say to women is let's just weigh up for you, you know, the benefits versus the negatives. And I think the scare that everybody has is breast cancer, breast cancer, breast cancer. And I think, you know, let's just knock it on its head. You know, I can't say to you that HRT doesn't, you know, increase the risk of breast cancer at all. But we do have much safer preparations, what we call body identical, you know, the chemical structure is exactly the same as what our body naturally produce produces. Um, and but also HRT has positives, not just in the here and now for those symptoms which are affecting women in this stage, but also in the long run. You know, they, they ha it has protective effects um, or reduces your risk of heart disease. Um, you know, um, helps improve bone health and brain health because we know now that you know looking at women's brains um, uh, around menopause that um, the loss of estrogen impacts their, their their brain health and you know so many women think that they're going through early dementia because they get this brain fog you know they forget where they put their keys or they start talking and they forget mid-sentence what they were talking about um or they or, or they may even forget the name of something like um, for example you know that that spouty thing you know that water comes out of and then you know, um so 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 you know hrt you know, it is a personal choice, but I think it's all about making that informed choice and knowing the facts um, and, and seeing you know, and weighing up, you know, almost like this set of scales, weighing it up, what, what are the positives and what are the negatives? And on the whole, I would say for most women, there are more positives. But but I am going to say but that doesn't mean to say that you can go and eat wherever you want, drink whatever you want, continue smoking. You know, it's all part of the bigger plan. So it's not a panache panacea. 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 No. And and maybe in terms of yourself, like will you take HRT or do you take it? Or and if you don't answer HRT. that, you don't have to. No, no, no. I do want to answer it because I was kind of an early adopter because my mother has dementia and I'm the eldest of six sisters. So I knew I was always gonna get it, you know, get it bad and get it before everybody else. And I always had PMT. So, you know, I started to just notice symptoms of feeling tired, joint pains. And my brain wasn't as sharp, you know, and it scared me because I've seen my mother, you know, going through dementia. And I thought, you know what, I know that it was accelerated around this time in menopause. But also I thought, you know, I'm sure science will catch up with my my theory um, that that hormones have a part to play. And there was also a selfish factor here was that I was single and still wanting to mingle. And I thought to myself, you know, I still want to look good. You know, I still want to feel that energy. I want to look good. I'm not ready to be invisible. And so, yeah, so I was very much an early adopter of HRT. Brilliant. And how's it going for you? It sounds like it's doing great. Great, like, is it great. Honestly, I, I, I wish I'd started it when I was 13. <laughs> wow. and, and how does the process of HRT work? Like, does, does it? No, I, no, you can't. 
Yeah. How does the process Who's HRT the work? Who's the eldest out of the two of you? Who's have, the eldest? Have a guess. Have a guess. Have a guess. Oh, okay. The other boy. That, that man. Oh, yeah. You know, dominating. I've got twins in my family. Two of my sisters are twins. Identical as well. Are they brilliant? And are they close? Yes. Yeah. Seven minutes. Were, you know, they, there were seven minutes between them, but they are close. <laughs> <laughs> okay so back to my question there of how does hrt work so does a woman come along and go hey i'm having all the symptoms of menopause um what can i do about it how do i do it i'm i'm curious about hrt how does it work yeah so so hrt comes in different types um different forms that you get it in um you can have a tablet form you know you can have gels you can have patches you can have sprays um and for those women who have a womb you know um who've not had a hysterectomy, they need both estrogen and progesterone because um, progesterone helps to protect the lining of the womb or stops it from overgrowing. Um, and so, um, so you need both estrogen and progesterone. So first steps will be a woman will come in and sort of say, you know what, you know, I'm getting these hot flushes. I can't sleep. I, um, you know, I've got anxiety. And most women will have tried lots of different things. You know, they may have said, look, I've gone and bought a supplement. I'm trying to exercise, but I really don't have that motivation. I know I need to be doing these kinds of things. Um, and so prescribing them HRT, you know, starting off, you know, I usually say, let's start low and go slow. Um, you know, just at starting it off for them and seeing, you know, which symptoms are improving. And then usually at the second or the third um, um, appointment, that's the time to add in testosterone if they need it. And, you know, and I say if, because not every woman needs it, but for many women, it can feel like that missing piece of the jigsaw or that sort of cherry on the cake. Um, and some women want to have a patch. Um, some women don't like the idea of a patch. You know, they don't want it to be visible. Some women like a gel because you can just rub it straight into your skin. Um, and, you know, hormone through the skin is really you know is really quite safe because it bypasses the liver so you don't get that increase in clotting factors um but some women you know a pill fits in better for their lifestyle so you know they're rushing around they may be doing school runs and things like that so you know spending that, that five minutes of rubbing a gel on um, may not fit into their lifestyle so there are lots of different preparations and and, and it depends on each woman which one she prefers and is it is it a bit like kind of say contraception pill? You know, sometimes a woman will try one and it doesn't work, and that kind of finds it as effect. Is it similar kind of process? You kind yeah, of have to just find I'm that glad balance. That you said that because you know, I, I, you know, often women think, oh, this one didn't suit me. So does that mean that none of them are going to suit me? No, because it is like that. That um, you know, I used to say to women with contraception pills is that you know the ones that suits me may not suit you, and vice versa. And it's the same thing here. Um, so I often say to women, look. If, it, if this one doesn't suit you, don't give up. There, there are other preparations out there. But, but just to say also that if the contraceptive pill didn't suit you, doesn't mean to say HRT won't suit you either because HRT is, is lower dose hormones, more natural hormones. They're not synthetic hormones. So um, don't be put off by your past history of, you know, sort of hormones with contraception. Very good. And is there a way that a woman could go in and measure their hormones? Like, is there a test that you can kind of, you know, if someone comes in and they're 35 or they're 40 and they're kind of go, or maybe say they're 40 and they've kind of started getting, they might kind of have the idea that they're feeling symptoms. Can you measure their levels and kind of go, okay, these are normal levels or, oh yeah, your, your levels are quite low. Maybe we should up this or up you know like so so women in perimenopause it's quite hard to measure their levels because your hormones are fluctuating on a you know a daily basis so one day your levels could be absolutely fine and then uh, another day they could be lower so 
it's it's not generally recommended um, to 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 do a blood test in women um, in perimenopause because it may give you what you know a false negative. You know, often I've heard women say, "Look, my blood test came back normal," so my GP says you can't possibly be you know in perimenopause and menopause. And actually, you know, you can. It's it's not about the numbers. It's about the symptoms it's about you um and guidelines are if you're over the age of 45 you've got symptoms just treat you don't need to have a blood test one thing i would say though is you know there are things that can almost mimic perimenopause so you know for for those younger women who might be experiencing what they think are perimenopausal symptoms things to also have checked from a blood test point of view is your thyroid you know, an underactive thyroid makes you feel tired. It makes you gain weight. It makes you feel sluggish and, you know, brain fog. Um, an overactive thyroid gives you anxiety, palpitations, you know, and makes you miss a period. Um, and also iron deficiency anemia, again, you know, it gives you similar symptoms to perimenopause, vitamin D deficiency, vitamin B12 deficiency. Um, so, so there are, uh, you know, quite a few different things that can be going on for a woman around this time, which also need to be ruled out, you know, and, and not always just assume that it could be or or it is perimenopause. And the first sign that some, that a woman is coming to perimenopause is typically the periods are changing. Is that typically what yeah, happens? Yeah. Typically what's going on is that your menstrual cycle, which might have been like 28, 30 days, is starting to shorten down. You know, it's become around 26 days. And suddenly one month you think, hey, I've had two periods. I had one at the beginning and one at the end of the month. Um, you might be starting to feel a bit more tired and your sleep's gone off as well. And, and you might be starting to experience anxiety. So, so you know, first of all, it, it, it potentially is that your periods are slightly changing. And then what starts to happen is they can be heavy. They can be light. You might miss one. Um, and, 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 and um, you know, that's, that's what sort of tends to happen on the journey. Amazing. And is it, is the first protocol, like if, if someone was thought they were kind of at the start of this journey with the first person you go to the GP and say, Hey, I think I'm, you know, I might be yeah. perimenopausal. I'm having these symptoms. What are, what are things that you suggest that I could do? Well, yeah, no, I, I, no, I think um, if, if you're, you know, if you're thinking um, that this could be you, then, you know, there's lots of information out there, even before you go to the GP, you know, be armed, you know, don't just go in there, you know, go with some information or make a list. Um, and, and, you know, social media is great. Um, you know, there's lots of, um, you know, um, sort of websites that you could potentially go on to. Um, and, and yes, and then make that read lots of books, you know, I've got a book out, haven't I? So, you know, what yeah. are those what, what's your book called <laughs> while we're on the top? The perimenopause solution. Um, so oh, yes, yeah, so. very apt, brilliant, but, very apt. It's great. It's great. Uh, do you have it? Do you have it there? Oh, there. Yeah, oh, nice, nice. Love image. the cover. Lovely. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. A lovely, yeah. you know, sexy book is what I would call it because I think it you know women sexy. need to remember that they can be still sexy. So uh, I think uh, I think find that information and then go to your GP or your, it might be a practice nurse who's you know sort of. Um, um, the, the menopause lead go and have a chat with somebody at that time yeah because you're not going crazy honestly you know I think sometimes women think gosh am I losing my mind but no you know your hormones can make you feel like that yeah I think this is such an important question because we've talked about a lot of the negatives and the kind of symptoms and the kind of oh my god this sounds awful like what are things that if any woman's listening and kind of going jeez I've got this ahead of me as well as periods and blah 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 like what are things a woman can look forward to about this period or what are kind of positives that you've experienced from guiding lots of people through this period 
I think I think so many women just feel better for knowing and having that education and realizing okay it's a normal stage there may be a few bumps on the road but you know I'm going to get through this and also knowing that there's support out there you know there are other women that they can talk to but I think also you know women um, you know sort of it's time that they 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 prioritize themselves. You know, they start thinking about well, what do I want from the next stage of life? It can be, you know, I, I often think about it, it's a time of reevaluation and reassessment, and that's not the same as a midlife crisis. You know, it, it's just you know you thinking about what you're going to do with the next stage of life, and you know, I, I almost think about it in the in the sense of. Um, you know, a woman being a, a caterpillar, but then going into this cocoon this this time and then coming out as a butterfly because you can really flourish um, and start a new business, you know, like I've done, write a book. Um, y- you know, I, I think that there is more than just light at the end of the tunnel. And I think lots of women feel that sense of liberation, you know, lifting um, and also, you know, that sexual freedom as well. No more contraception, you know, periods of stop you know, uh, that sexual, so that sort of sexual liberation as well. Beautiful. That sounds good. Because the, the sexual piece is interesting when you think about it from like a practical female life cycle. You know, you've got your child, you know, the, the period in the middle of your life where you're fertile and then the libido kind of naturally reduces, it seems, like across the menopause. And then, you know, your fertile years are over and it's almost like nature's been efficient with kind of making... Like, do you find like after menopause, do women's libido typically, has it kind of, you know, dropped or do, do some people ride on right through and they end up their libido tends to be the same, if not more after? I, I like that. Yeah, they ride on right through. You yeah, know, I, I kind mean, of <laughs> use that word intentionally. <laughs> I'm glad you heard it. <laughs> well, you know, so you, you know, nowadays so many women are starting new relationships around this time. You know, divorce rates. I don't know what it's like in Ireland, but you know, here, um, it, you know, divorce rates are sort of highest in this age range, and so women, a lot of women, are starting new relationships around this time. And I think um, um, so. So, so I think you know, maybe one of the stumbling blocks can be for some women that they may not have a partner. But, you know, you don't need to have a partner to have an orgasm. You know, I, I just want to put that out there. And I, but I think, yeah, I, th- I think um, women do are, are enjoying it. And, and, you know, I don't know about you, but I sometimes think back to when I was a more junior doctor in my 20s and thinking about anyone over the age of 40 having sex was just like, that can't possibly be. And then you get to, well, maybe you're not 40, but then you get to into that age range and you think, well, why not? You know, it's just a number, you know, you, 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 age is just a number. So I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think women are having sort of um, great sex lives if they want to. And I, and the other, and I say that because it doesn't mean to say every person wants to, you know, have sex or every person is bothered by their loss of libido or lack of libido. So I don't think there should be on any pressure on anybody that they have to sort of um, have sex three times a week or, or whatever. I think it's very individual. Lovely. Yeah. That's a good clarification. Uh, we, we asked to kind of put it up on Instagram yesterday just about questions, because I think this is obviously more a female topic than I think it's really important men understand it. I think it's so important that it's supported. And as a society, we kind of gather around it more, but more specific questions. And a number of questions came up around 
the like breast cancer and HRT. And obviously, you know, part, I, I was looking into part of the reason why HRT initially got a bad rap was that it was kind of it, a lot of the hormones were coming from pregnant horses, their urine. urine. And th- this was part of the kind of the bad, making it appear bad. And, you know, they were kind of synthetic hormones, whereas now they're actually really biologically synthesized almost that they're kind of mimic natural hormones. Um, but in terms of the, the risk of breast cancer, is, th- is, it, is it a huge increase? Is it a small increase relative to like, say, if, if someone was overweight, are they going to have a higher risk of breast cancer compared to going on HRT? I'm just curious about the context of it. Yeah, no, no, I, I think that's a really good point because, um, you know, let's put it into context, you know, our risk, well, a woman's risk of breast cancer increases as she gets older, you know, because we can't deny aging, you know, that that is just a, a fact. So, you know, one of the ways I put it to women is, you know, if a woman at the age of 50, her risk of developing breast cancer over the next five years is 23 women out of a thousand will get HRT, will, will get breast cancer. Um, if if a woman's on HRT, and I, I hear I'm lumping all of the HRTs together, the risk does increase. It becomes, you know, an additional four cases, so 23 plus four. But if a woman's obese, her risk is 23 plus 24, so six times more than if she was on HRT. Um, if she drinks two glasses of wine every night, it's 23 plus five. So let's put it into perspective. And if a woman's fit, healthy, normal body weight is 23 minus seven. Um, and so, you know, often I say to women, HRT can be that catalyst for change. You know, we, I mentioned before, you know, often women are tired, not motivated, don't want to exercise. You know, they're just um, maybe they're just gaining weight because they're, they're they're sitting at home, not moving so much. And HRT can be that catalyst then to get them moving, exercising, you know, energize. Um, and and so 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 I, I often describe it like that because look at the increased risk with being obese compared to you know adding in HRT into your into your regime. Yeah. And then does HRT then like say, say, for example, just uh, I'm going through menopause and I finish my, uh, you know, uh, sorry, I go on HRT. So my menopause, the symptoms are kind of lesser. And say I decide in my 70s to kind of stop taking HRT. Do suddenly I start experiencing the symptoms of menopause in my 70s? Does it just kind of prolong the menopause or put it forward? No, it doesn't prolong. So, so, you know, you won't stay on the same dose of HRT from, you know, from 45 or 50 till 70, you know, it will be adjusted, you know, according to your, your symptoms. Also, um, you know, if your medical history was to change or your medical, medically things were to change for you, then, you know, obviously dosages and things need to be adjusted, but say, yeah, like you said, you're 70, you think, you know, I've had enough of this. I want to come off. The thing to do is not to not to come off, you know, in one go, because you're going to get rebound symptoms. And if you think about anything else, you know, a drug or something, when you stop it abruptly, you're going to get rebound symptoms. So you just wean yourself off. You just sort of taper it down, taper it down, taper it down. And and no, you're not going to get those florid symptoms like you had in your 40s and your 50s, because your ovaries are no longer sort of got these sort of hormones going crazy um, within them. So, so just to, like, if I'm kind of, this is might come across a very stupid question. So if so, I'm doing just great preempting here. it. But uh, so if I'm a woman and I'm I'm on my menopause, and the typical menopause cycle is that you're it's the it's the cessation of of a woman's periods, the menstrual cycle. If I'm on HRT, does that prolong it that I, I get my periods for longer, or does the same cycle happens just the it, it's a more graceful landing? 
yeah, I like that graceful landing. So yes, yeah, so good. so you're taking HRT, but underlying it all, your ovaries are still doing what they would have been doing. You know, they're going on that sort of downward trend, and so you're 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 not going to be having your menstrual cycle. One way of thinking about HRT is more like a top up rather than you know you know a sort of a full replacement. So your ovaries will still carry on declining, you know, even whilst you're taking HRT. So. So, um, so it's not prolonging your periods. It's not prolonging your reproductive years um, because the, your ovaries will do what they, they what they were going to do anyway. But what will happen is if you were then to stop that HRT because we've been adding it to your body, you know, topping it up to your body, then that sudden withdrawal will give you symptoms, and uh, yeah, and and, and that's what will happen. But no, your body will still end up doing what it was naturally going to do, even with you taking HRT. Okay, HRT sounds like a great one. It really I does. Know. Like it's like, like I, to my I, ignorant male mind, I'm kind of like, wow. I, I don't have a womb. I don't have periods. But like people who I know that have wombs and periods, it just seems like it, it, to, it to most it seems to lessen the symptoms and make yeah. women be able to live kind of more purposeful, more driven, less lives that are affected by brain fog, and emotional, just, you know, hot flushes. I think this that. is a very relevant question to any listen anyone listening who's female. And that will go through this cycle. Like, I, I think I'm, I would imagine in our society where, as you said, physicality and beauty is held with such high esteem. Just hate your tea. You know, I, I think I heard you say that it's typically around a woman will typically put on three to five kg during the menopause so- cycle. If, if a woman's on HRT, will it lessen? Will they put on less weight? Will they stay the same weight? Or what are your thoughts? Does their body change? Does their body yeah, change? So, yeah. so, I, so I often get asked the question, will HRT make me gain weight? You know, or, um, and I usually answer it by saying, when your hormones are in balance, then no, it's not going to make you gain weight. However, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you overeat, you know, not move, then yes, you will gain weight. So I, I, I would, I tend to say that no, it doesn't tend to gain weight if you're on the right dose and the right balance for you. Um, but you know, I think HRT is great on the whole, but there are some women for whom they are sensitive to hormones or they can't take it because they've had, you know, a hormone receptive cancer. So, um, so, so there are groups of women that, you know, aren't able to take it or get, you know, sort of a sensitivity or a reaction to it. Um, and, and, and that's okay. Cause there are other things that, um, you know, other medications maybe that your doctor can prescribe or, or that you can go down the supplement route that can help to support you as well. Oh, there are supplements that kind of help through the, like, are there such a thing as supplements that can help through this period as opposed yeah, to necessarily going to HRT? Like, um, Black cohosh, red clover—you know—these help to sort of mimic some of those phytoestrogens. But if a some if a woman has had breast cancer, maybe that might not be appropriate for her as well. But things like Saint John's wort, sage can help with hot flushes. Magnesium is great as a calmer for women. You know, it's nature's calmer, so it helps with sleep. It helps with anxiety. You know, ashwagandha is a is, is a nice um, supplement which helps uh, sort of calms stress. Um, and 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 things like maca can help with libido and energy. So so there are supplements that can also um, support as well. I, I cool. don't want women to feel, you know, that if if they're not on HRT, there's nothing that they can do about it. it sounds yeah. like there's a lot. I've got a couple of more like they're more oh, specific can I get one because this no. is a friend of mine. Uh, but, a... Well, I, I can, okay, maybe can I just ask this one first? Because sure. we're like, both very might, excited. Sorry, it might be a... relevant. It might be You're relevant. Brilliant. Okay. I'm loving this. So so lots of people who I know um, have endometriosis. And mm-hmm. I don't exactly know what it is, but I've heard lots of women talking about it. And I wonder, like, it sounds like it affects women's periods and makes them really painful and not pleasant at all. 
And does this endometriosis mean that their menopause will be like doubly hard as well because their periods are? Or how does it affect the menopause endometriosis? So what endometriosis is, um, is that the cells which are lining the womb are outside of the womb somewhere as well. So, so that's why women can end up getting really heavy, painful periods um, because those cells um, react to the body's hormones. So, you know, when you're going through this stage, no, it doesn't necessarily mean to say it's going to be worse or better. But, but you know, when I'm saying to you that women without endometriosis get heavy periods, painful periods, so it, ju- it can just mean that women with endometriosis, it can just ramp it up a little bit because of those same fluctuations. Okay, good one. Uh, here, this is for a friend of mine just because uh, she texted me uh, last night. Uh, what are the symptoms of having possibly too much estrogen? Um, I'm just going to read it out uh, while taking HRT. So, so funnily enough, they can be very similar. There's similar symptoms to not having enough. So you can have breast tenderness, nausea, headaches, bloating you know, um, and, and maybe even a little bit of water retention. So, so sometimes if you have too much estrogen, you can get those kind of symptoms um, related to it. Okay, so okay, another, another specific one. So if someone has a, a baby like in their 40s, you know, so later, later on the, in the cycle, how does that impact menopause? Yeah, because what can happen is, so, you know, so, you know, many women are having babies later and later in life. So they can go almost from that postnatal phase straight into perimenopausal phase as well. So, so, you know, just to bear in mind that, you know, if you're, if you're feeling that actually you don't seem to be coming out of that postnatal phase, it could be that you could be going into perimenopause. Wow. Jesus. How do we as a society get around this more? Because it's such an important, you know, transition period that society needs to support and almost celebrate as opposed to this thing that's, you know, almost like seen as that's your problem. Deal with it. Keep, that's your life. Like, just and be as nice. You, and and as you said, as you said, it seems like a period where there's the most amount of divorces. And I'd imagine it because, you know, women are changing. And if it's a male female relationship, like, you know, it, it'll it'll change. The, you know, the ground will be shaking yeah. a little bit. Well, it does. It does. You know, and, 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 you know, now that that's, this is what I do look after women uh, in perimenopause and menopause, you know, I can see sometimes, you know, where, why and where it can happen. Because I remember thinking, you know, when I was in my sort of twenties and thirties thinking, oh God, all of these men going off with younger women, you know, uh, know, being totally sort of anti them. And now I can see maybe you're in some ways, how and why it could happen because you know she's she's tired she's irritable um you know she she's lost her libido she's lost her energy lost her mojo so so it has a huge impact and strain on relationships here um and actually you know one in four women also leave their workplaces um or go part-time because they've lost they 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 don't feel capable um, uh, and they've lost their confidence. So yeah, so you're right. Society does need to sit up and take note of it. And I think lots of workplaces are starting to do that. And um, here in UK, um, they are going to be talking about it in schools in those, those sort of social education lessons. Um, you know, and I'll tell you just a really nice story about my 12 year old nephew who he hasn't been taught it at school. And my sister came. Came, went round to to my brother's house and she was feeling a bit hot and flustered and she is perimenopausal. But um, and my nephew said to her, um, would you like a glass of water, Auntie? She went, she went, yes. And then he said, shall I fan you? 
because is it <laughs> menopause? He went, is it menopause? Because they they actually, you know, because of me, and sometimes they log on to my Instagram to watch my lives just because they haven't seen me for a while. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, menopause is just normal. You know, it's just a normal word in their vocabulary. And that's where we should be aiming with for everybody. I love oh, that. Wow. Shall I fan you? I think that's great. Come on, God. <laughs> Shall I, I fan you fan and you? feed you grapes? I've got some frozen <laughs> with, grapes, with my dear. He was going to fan her. Oh, good, Adam. Good, Adam. I, I love this for a question that uh, Shawnee said there. Uh, for partners of people who have are going through the menopause or have menopause on the horizon, the idea of getting them a menopause book for Christmas, is this good or is this bad? Or does someone go, I'm not that. Don't get me that. You know, I don't need something like that. Like, how does, someone, how does like any man who's listening to this and goes, okay, I think like I'd love to learn more about it. How do I approach this? But I don't want to put my foot in it and kind of go and get the wrong sort of reaction. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, men have to tread very carefully here in some ways, or partners have to tread very carefully here. And I had one man say that, you know, he'd watched this program. So he texted his, his wife and said, um, I've recorded this program that I think you might be interested in. Um, and, um, and, 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 you know, that was one way he did it. I think, I think, I don't think it's wrong to get a book, but I think you should read it too. I think it, yeah. it shouldn't just be put into, you know, sort of into her Christmas stocking or something. But I think if you've read it too and you you can then say, look, I've read the book, you know, and I think it would be also good for you to read so that we can navigate this journey together. And what's the name of your book again? Oh, yeah. The, the Perimenopause Peri Solution, the best book out there. Well, yeah. it really does. Like, you know, talking to you, you're, you seem like a font of knowledge on the subject. Yeah, brilliant. So, really, yeah. brilliant. Oh, really beautiful. Uh, okay, final question. How as men can we better support or partners of women going through menopause? How can we better support it? I, I think, you know, learning about it, educating yourself, but also, you know, sort of reminding her that you love her, you know, um, and also maybe doing, a, you know, I say this sometimes, look, why not start a hobby together or, or attend the, the doctor's appointments together? Help her to look after her health because many women also feel, like they don't want to go out, you know, they just want to stay in their comfort zone. You know, they, they, um, they find it hard to motivate themselves. So I think, you know, support her, um, find out about it for yourself and just tell her that she looks great and you love her. You know, I think these are the kind of positive reinforcements that she needs. Brilliant. I really That's love that because it seems like society is a large, we can have to gather around and almost all of us take responsibility for this because it's yeah. not just like, it seems to be like, it's your problem, deal with it, as opposed to like, you know, it's all our this problem. This is a natural part together. of life. Everyone that was born came out of a female and, you know, this is a natural yeah. part of it. So it, we should all take responsibility really and not just put it on yeah. one person. So beautiful. Shazadi, thank you so much. You're fabulous. And for really. anyone listening, Shazadi's got a brilliant Instagram. She does a really good woman's power hour on a Wednesday evening where she does lives and she goes to everyone. She did a great one on vaginal dryness, which we were talking about before this. So yeah, really good to check that out. And people again, just the name of your book, just in case anyone missed it. Perimenopause it's Solution. Perimenopause David Solution. Flynn. And um, do follow me over at Dr. Shazadi Harper on Instagram. And it's been a real pleasure. I've, and I've you have really a clinic. It. You have a clinic also, don't you, Shazadi? Yeah, I have a clinic called the Harper Clinic. Um, it's in London, but I actually do lots of online consultations. And funnily enough, I do have patients in Ireland. Wow. She's brilliant. Oh, there you go. So if anyone's listening, Dr. Shazadi Harper, you can book online appointments. And, and she's brilliant. Know. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Great. Well, you've been a star. Yeah. She said, I really enjoyed this. You're great. Thank you so much. You. Yeah. Good luck. Mind yourself. And hopefully we get to meet you someday. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. 
Thanks yeah. a million. Stay in touch. Cheers, Shasadi. Thanks a million. Mind bye. yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was fabulous. I really loved that. And what a cool topic. Like, I think this is something as a society we need to gather around, support, and really try to bring a positive and paradigm towards it. Yeah, I think to be more open. And she gave a great analogy there of a caterpillar emerging as a butterfly. And I think we did t- focus, a- focus a lot there on the symptoms and how challenging a period it can be. But I think, like, obviously, I won't have to personally go through it. But I will definitely, I've supported my mother through it. And I guess I will do better at supporting my wife and daughters through it. I think it's such Sorry, an important, mom. I think it's such an important, um, like as as we kind of mentioned towards the end of it, that, you know, it, it, it's a society's responsibility to support women through it. It's not an individual thing. And I think it starts with awareness, recognizing the signs and then knowing that it's a completely normal phase of life. And that we all need to talk about it. And we all need to support the, support women through this because we, we are all united. And I think it's as we help each other, we help ourselves. So yeah, thanks for listening. Really, really appreciate it. This is an episode in our sex and relationship series. So if you haven't checked out the other episodes, please do because they're oh, all relevant. it's such fun. It's fascinating. I'm absolutely loving it. And thank you for listening because this gives us the opportunity to explore topics that fascinate us to learn more and in the hope that it might help you too. Anyway, big, big shout out to Shawnee Cahill and Sarah Fossett who produce and edit and upload the podcast and shout out to today's sponsor Wild lots of love bye 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 bye